Spending six weeks on a farm is part of the Auguste Escoffier School of Culinary Arts curriculum. Michel Escoffier explained how his great-grandfather worked with farmers before farm-to-table was even trendy. And he, he talked to the uh, asparagus producers and tried to convince them to produce uh, green asparagus. One young farmer managed to convince the others. And this is how he developed the production of the asparagus of Louris. The Auguste Escoffier School of Culinary Arts helps students excel in the kitchen and beyond. Learn more at escoffier.edu. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R dot E-D-U. Hey, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Bob's Red Mill. Stay tuned at the break for their quiz. I live near Topsfield, Massachusetts, where they hold the Topsfield Fair. It's the oldest agricultural fair in the United States. It dates back to 1818. I try to go every year, and after I get a picture with the kids standing in front of the giant pumpkin, which, by the way, this year, it weighed 2,114 pounds. I hit the concessions, and I mean hit. It's as if I've never seen food, and I'll never eat again. And in one day at the fair, I will have tasted, okay, who am I kidding? I've finished at least one hot soft pretzel. You got your vanilla soft serve. There's a big turkey leg, which tastes like ham. I love it. And of course, the gobbler. It's basically Thanksgiving dinner, turkey, you got your bread stuffing, cranberry sauce, and a bit of mayo in sandwich form. Then there's the new stuff, like a deep-fried PB&J or bacon on a stick that's coated with marshmallow. Oh, you know I'm going to eat that. But it's as if the vendors are trying to out-fry each other. And the fair follows me home. Because sometime in the wee hours of the night, probably around 2 a.m., I'm going to wake up and wonder, what did I eat? And why the hell did I do that to myself again? From America's Test Kitchen, I'm Bridget Lancaster, and this is Proof. What is it about fair food that makes us eat anything and everything? And just who are the people that are serving up this source of gluttony? When I was a kid, my cousin and I sometimes worked at the Indiana State Fair. We had connections to the folks who ran the Indiana Pork Producers Tent. So since we were the youngest, it was always our job to serve drinks. And the food you got at our tent was simple. You'd come to us for a pork tenderloin sandwich with a side of french fries and a soft drink. This is reporter Chris Siegel. He noticed that all bets are off when it comes to fair food. So my cousin ended up working each summer for the Indiana pork producers, while I eventually settled in as an annual fair attendee. So as he was serving the food, I was eating it. And more often than not, it was deep fried. Now these days, I generally eat healthy, but I knew then and now that when you're at the state fair, all food is fair game. Chris was so invested in the fair food culture that he noticed a trend. 
So I'd been going to the fair for years and had grown to develop a relationship with the food. Eating at the fair, it became an annual tradition. I mean, it was almost ritualistic. But in the early 2000s, when I was finishing up high school, a change, especially with deep-fried foods, caught my attention. What kind of change? I mean, I'm pretty sure that deep-fried foods have always been kind of standard fare at the uh, standard fare at the fair. Sure. Well, so there were traditional foods like French fries, tempuras, fried chicken, you know, foods that wouldn't surprise you. And, of course, there's your classic decadent desserts like elephant ears and funnel cake. But at a certain point, things got a little weird. Deep-fried Twinkies, bacon, Snickers bars. We started seeing the combinations. Deep-fried chicken and waffles or a pickle and a hot dog. And then came the how-does-that-work category. Deep-fried soda, deep-fried butter. Now we live in a world where anything can be deep-fried. I fried a man's shoe once. That's Charlie Bogosian, better known as Chicken Charlie. His claim to fame? Deep-fried Oreos, of course. That's my favorite invention. We sell that everywhere. Chicken Charlie has worked at fairs for nearly three decades. He worked 12 summers in a row at the San Diego County Fair, all the way through college. When I graduated from college in 1995, this woman walked up to me at the Fresno Fair. She knew me from the industry, and she had a roasted chicken trailer. And she, her and her husband wanted to get out of the business. They, were, they wanted to retire and just travel. And she said, Charlie, buy my chicken trailer. Right away, I said, yes, I bought it. And I turned it into Chicken Charlie's because I really liked the name. And of course, I'm Charlie. (laughs) Chicken Charlie's has grown since he bought that trailer in 1995. He now has three locations at the L.A. County Fair. He vends at fairs across the country. And he's opened a brick-and-mortar restaurant in San Diego. You can often find Charlie behind the counter at one of his trailers with his signature goatee and mustache framing his big smile. But there was a moment that would transform him, that would ultimately make him famous, that would change the course of fair foods. I was at McDonald's eating a Big Mac and an apple pie. The apple pie to me is about as American as it gets and probably my favorite thing on earth. And and when I was eating the apple pie, I said to myself, why the heck don't I have a dessert in my menu? I went to 7-Eleven and took one piece of everything on their hostess rack and other racks that had sweets and went home and just started frying it up. My brother had a box of Oreos at the house. It wasn't even part of the stuff I bought. It's a funny thing. And we fried everything in pancake batter. And I'll tell you what, the Oreos were the best. The cream inside stayed intact. The warm pancake batter around the cookie was just amazing. The cookie lost a lot of its crunch, but kept enough of the crunch to make you think, wow. And the chocolate on top, the chocolate sauce with the powdered sugar, the rainbow sprinkles I topped it off with. When you bite into that thing, it's like heaven. If there is a heaven, that's definitely heaven right there for me. Even though Charlie has been serving deep fried Oreos for about 16 years, his love for the dessert hasn't diminished. 
when you eat a fried Oreo cookie and you eat, <laughs> let's call it a raw Oreo cookie or an unfried Oreo cookie, there's no comparison. Not even close. Completely different. Different texture, different feel, different wetness to dryness, different temperature. One is cold, one is hot. One is fluffy and large, one is skinny and hard. I mean, I'm not trying to make the normal Oreo cookie sound bad, but a fried Oreo cookie, hands down, is the best thing on earth. Ever since I created the deep fried Oreo, my life changed. And every year after that, people always expect me like to come up with something better, something newer. From that point on, the expectation for Chicken Charlie and every fair vendor was to make something creative, something innovative, something that would wow fairgoers. With his invention, Charlie launched a fair foods arms race. According to Chicken Charlie, people from all walks of life would come up to him and ask him, what's next? The deep fried Oreo opened the door to like all these other crazy items like deep fried Kool-Aid, bacon wrapped pickles, and all the other fun fried stuff that we do. You know, it's so hard to keep creating new stuff. I always have to check when I come up with something new. Hey, did somebody already do this? What's going on? I mean, it's crazy. Everybody's trying to come up with everything all at once. Yesterday, I thought of a new item. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Deep fried dirt. That could be a fun new thing because I'm thinking, you know, whether you go the Zata route, which is very Middle Eastern, traditional Middle Eastern um, uh, spices and seasonings, or whether you go like a crunched up cookie, uh, whether it be an Oreo cookie or some other form of cookie, you make some other ingredients in it, maybe serve it in a little planner, make little balls, fry them, serve them with gummy worms, you know, or use gummy worms as the um, topping but we always have to google it now to see how many times it's been done or redone or if it's an actual new idea it's really not easy to keep coming up with these new concoctions there is a massive force pushing charlie to make something new each summer and that's us every year people show up at the fair to eat oh yeah people will eat anything as soon as they cross the turnstiles and hit the fairgrounds but the question is why? I mean, what's the brain doing? It's saying, sure, go ahead. Eat that stick of butter that's been breaded and deep fried because the calories don't count here. And by the way, you deserve that stick of butter. Right? There's got to be some kind of neurological or physiological explanation. A lot of humans are novelty seekers to various degrees. And, you know, something new is something that's exciting and can have a different impact on the brain. I wondered if there was some sort of primal draw to fried foods or just to the thrill of them. So I talked with a neuroscientist. My name is Kim Kinzig. I'm an associate professor of psychological sciences at Purdue University. Um, I probably haven't been to the fair since my children were five or six, which is about 10 years ago. Um, I don't particularly like fair food, but I understand that, you know, it's really popular. Because she lacked excitement for deep fried foods, I felt I could trust Dr. Kinzig, that she could be objective. 
what is happening in the brain when we eat something like deep fried food? A lot of what happens is that the pleasure centers kind of light up in the brain and are activated. And there's an increase in the release of a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which is kind of known as our reward neurotransmitter. So how do you how do you test that? Like, how do you know that that's what's happening? People go in a scanner and they are given images of these foods. You know, you can give people pictures of We'll go with that deep fried Oreo, or you could give someone a picture of an apple or someone a picture of a shoe. And you look at areas of the brain that are known to contain dopamine neurons and do these areas light up. She described other processes that are happening in our brains and bodies when we eat deep fried foods. There are some hormonal responses to foods that happen before we even put them in our mouths. So, for example, when you see something that you've had experience with before, you'll start to secrete insulin. And that's so your body's better prepared to handle kind of the, you know, assault that it's going to take on with in terms of carbohydrates and glucose. And we know that eating pleasurable foods, feeling good, there's a serotonin component to that as well. So it's not just dopamine. There was actually a recent study that came out that looked at um, the rewarding properties of sugar, the rewarding properties of fats, and then the rewarding properties of sugar plus fat. And that paper showed that there's kind of, you know, both sugar is rewarding and fat is rewarding. But when you put them together, there's kind of an extra bang. And you can't discount the overall experience hearing the sounds of the midway, visiting the exhibits, smelling the foods and animals, being surrounded by outwardly happy people. When you are in a place like the fair where it's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to be having all of these kind of exciting and new experiences, it's just, I guess, kind of an overall higher dopamine level throughout. But then you, you go eat that deep fried Oreo and you'll have a spike in dopamine. I'm not surprised. I mean, the whole fairground experience is about having fun. But on top of that, I'd add it's also about some exposure to things that are very different, like a giant pumpkin or kind of dangerous, like that roller coaster that they assemble and they take apart several times a year. But different can also mean unknown, like eating a deep fried Oreo for the first time, or in my case, regrettably, ghost peppered flavored ice cream. After the break, innovation meets tradition. Chris introduces us to a deep-fried version of an Indiana classic. It's time for this week's Bob's Red Mill Quiz, where I subject one of my America's Test Kitchen colleagues to a test of their grain knowledge. And this week, I'm talking to my colleague, Joe Gitter, about nutritional yeast. Hello. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bridget. What's hey. going on? <laughs> I've got the most amazing subject for you to talk about today. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> nutritional yeast. Oh, Bridget, we always talk about nutritional yeast. It's true. Here's the question. What is the difference between nutritional food yeast and baking yeast? Hmm. They're both yeast. Right. Um, but I think nutritional yeast doesn't have the same leavening ability as baker's yeast. Well, that is it. That's the big difference. Nutritional food yeast is dried at a higher temp than baking yeast. And that process totally inactivates the yeast leavening ability. 
Bob's Red Mill's nutritional food yeast is delicious sprinkled over spaghetti, pizza, or other dishes as a healthful replacement for grated cheese. And you can learn more at bobsredmill.com and use the offer code ATK at checkout to get 25% off your next purchase. You know, when you're cooking something like chicken or fish and you need to wash your hands, but you don't want to touch the faucet because then you got to clean the faucet, Kohler has thought of this. Their faucets have something called response touchless technology. You simply wave your hand or a utensil through the sensor window to turn it on and off like magic. It's really convenient and hygienic because it reduces the chances of spreading germs around the kitchen. You and your family are going to be nice and safe. The touchless sensor is on the underside of the spout and turns on and off in 20 milliseconds. Perfect if you don't have a second to spare. And if you forget to turn it off, the faucet's going to shut itself off after four minutes. No batteries are necessary. It connects to your AC power. Kohler, for people who do their best work in the kitchen. Learn more at Kohler.com. Proof listeners, be sure to check out our cookbook, Sous Vide for Everybody, the easy foolproof cooking technique that's sweeping the world. We use the Jewel Sous Vide machine to test the recipes. It's smart and precise. A phone app controls the cooking, and it's small. It's not going to hog up your counter space. It's hands-free, which is frankly liberating. Jewel, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use the code ATK2018 to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code ATK2018. Before the break, reporter Chris Siegel was digging into the psychology of culinary thrill-seeking at the fair. But Chris, where are we on the whole fair food arms race? Well, so the same year that Chicken Charlie sold the deep-fried Oreo for the first time, other vendors across the country began selling deep-fried Twinkies. And since then, we've seen more and more novelty deep-fried foods. So to get a feel of what's out there today, I return to where my story began, the Indiana State Fair. Can we get the inside-out grilled cheese? I hit all my food stops at the fair. The grilled corn from the Lions Club, a grilled cheese from the Dairy Barn. At some point, I'll head over to the Grand Hall to try any number of Indiana beers. And then, of course, the reason I'm here, this year's new foods. Is that all? That's it. That'll be 9.50. Okay, Chris, I gotta ask, how was that inside-out grilled cheese? I enjoyed it tremendously. And we're also going to do the mousetrap grilled cheese. Every summer, all the vendors at the fair attempt to outdo themselves and the other vendors with more and more adventurous and exciting menu items. Across the country, competitions between vendors have popped up to determine who created the best new item. There's Golden Abe's Fantastic Fair Food Contest at the Illinois State Fair, the Big Tex Choice Awards at the Texas State Fair, and the straightforward Fantastic Food Competition in New York. In Indiana, it's called the Taste of the Fair Contest. We enter the contest every year, and we come up with something crazy every year. That's Monica Yurick. She owns Yurick Concessions, one of the vendors at the Indiana State Fair. 
Yurik has been serving visitors to the fair for the past 15 years. We started off as a vendor in the West Pavilion, and we provided food service in the West Pavilion, and then we just kind of grew little by little each year. I'm talking with Monica because of what she and her team at Yurik created for this year's fair, the deep-fried sugar cream pie. How do you come up with the new food ideas? We just try to make it something outrageous, something craveable, something marketable. We have a soft spot for frying things. Okay, let's just stop here for a second. I'm going to describe a sugar cream pie, also known as a Hoosier pie for the uninitiated out there. So it's got a very sweet, blonde, creamy filling. I mean, it's sugar cream pie. And it's almost like a creme brulee, but it's baked in a pie shell. Just a a little non sequitur about the sugar cream pie. A few years back, there was actually a campaign to make it the state pie of Indiana. And it actually passed in the House to become the state pie of Indiana. uh, But it's still hung up in the Senate. So that's why we sometimes say it's the unofficial official state pie of Indiana. Anyways, back to the Indiana State Fair. If you were going to just blow all your calories for the day, what would be the one thing that you just have to try? We'd get a rainy day. And a lot of ideas were born on those rainy days where we'd sit around in a concession trailer and, you know, think, okay, I'm bored. What can we do? What'd you bring for lunch today? You want to deep fry it? If you think Cheetos are good, you should try them fried. They're delicious. But what about putting an entire piece of pie in the deep fryer? Let's try to fry it and see what happens. You know, will it blow up in the fryer? Will it even work? We had um, Dylan Wickersham come in. My name is Dylan Wickersham. Dylan is the grandson of Dwayne Wick Wickersham, the founder of Wick's Pies. I came to Uric Concessions Kitchen and we did a few tests um, using, taking the pie from a different temperature, putting it in the batter and then deep frying it. It certainly doesn't need to be deep fried, um, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah, pancake batter, funnel cake batter, waffle mix. You don't really know, and you just start to test it out and try it and see, you know, what looks the best and then what tastes the best. And then we have our staff here, and we all start tasting things, and everybody starts picking their favorite. And then we'll have our friends here on the fairgrounds, like the electricians are around or some of the other state fair workers. And, you know, it's just kind of like, hey, come on over here and check this out and We just see who gets excited about what. And I love to watch the face that people make when they pop something into their mouth that's, like, amazing. And that's usually the winner. When the gates opened at the state fair and the first pies were battered and dropped in the fryer, did anybody eat them? People were literally chasing us down and hollering as you're driving by in a golf cart going, Hey, Yurik, where's the pie? I was standing outside of one of the booths one day, and a customer came up to me, a really nice gentleman, and and he said, you know, I've been looking for you for like an hour. I've walked around and around and around. You really need bigger signs. And I said, you're not the first person who told me that, and I'm really sorry, and thank you for your diligence, and I'm really glad that you found us. It was probably like the second day of the fair, and I went to the sign shop here on the fairgrounds, and I said, you know, how busy are you guys? Is there any way that you could make me some signs? I had signs up the next day, and our business like doubled. The pie business doubled because now people could find us. And when all the votes were tallied at the end of the season, the deep fried sugar cream pie took home 
we got third place and we're okay with that because um, we had a great product and we had a lot of fun and people enjoyed it. And that's what it's all about. And we're already thinking like, what can we do next year? Okay, well, this brings up a good point. I mean, how do you top a deep fried sugar cream pie? And really the question is, should you? But is there ever going to be a point at which, well, at least in terms of fair food, we jump the culinary shark? Well, when I think about the fair, two somewhat opposing ideas come to mind. First, that there's so much tradition and repetition at the fair. When I go, I expect to ride the same rides, play the same games, talk with farmers and professors, and see this year's world's largest pig. It's a real thing. It's at the Indiana State Fair. So in that sense, the fair feels ageless, that it doesn't change from year to year. But the second idea is that when I go to the fair, I expect to see, taste, or experience something new. I want to try that inside-out grilled cheese or the deep-fried Wicks sugar cream pie. I expect that if you're going to be making food for the fair, that you will attempt to wow me to expand my culinary perception for the price of $6. And, And maybe that's the magic of the fair, that it's a safe space where we can undergo a small personal transformation. When Charlie creates something new each year for the fair, whether it's deep-fried Oreos or deep-fried chicken and waffles or deep-fried dirt, he's giving the eater part of himself. He's sharing his identity. So I'm a first-generation American. I was born and raised in Damascus, Syria. My family is Christian, and I came to America when I was 11 years old. And when we came here, we lived in San Diego. The early iterations of fairs were gatherings of people from near and far. They were opportunities to share with one another, to take a break from the grind of daily life. When Charlie or Monica Urich or any of the vendors serve you something new, you not only taste that food, but you also get some of their history, their passion, their creativity. And as much as it seems like everything has been thought of, every food has been deep fried, there will be someone out there to bring us something new. Last year at the LA County Fair, I created a cotton candy ice cream sandwich. Kind of like when you go to an ice cream shop, you pick your cookie, you pick your ice cream, and they make a sandwich out of it. Well, my cookie was made of just straight cotton candy. So it's like red cotton candy on top, blue cotton candy on the bottom, a big fat scoop of ice cream in the middle, and we rolled it in fruity pebbles. And let me tell you, people walk up, go crazy. They'll yell, they'll take pictures, they'll buy it, they'll take a bite, and you hear a moment of silence. I I tell you, the first time I took a bite of that, my brain stopped working. I think I lost about four seconds. I didn't know what happened, but something took over my body and my mind, and I just totally lost four seconds, came back to and said, oh my God, this is amazing. I love that when I watch people have something like that. Put cotton candy and ice cream in your mouth at the same time, and I'm going to take a step back and record you dancing. It's about the most beautiful thing on earth. As long as the Monicas and Charlies of the world are going to continue, summer after summer, to wow us with their inventions, I'll continue to be wowed. 
That's reporter and Indiana State Fair devotee, Chris Siegel. Special thanks to Katie Armentrout and Brian Farkas for their help reporting this episode. Sometimes it feels like the world is changing faster than we can adjust. A state fair, county fair, really any fair, is a great place to take a breath and enjoy the sights and the sounds of yesterday. If you go enough times, you'll start recognizing the people that sell you that giant bag of popcorn or take your ticket stub or that guy that runs the Tilt-A-Whirl every year. And in this environment, it's time to lighten up. So give in to that temptation of a giant whoopie pie or go ride a camel. Because it's the fair. And in the blink of an eye, it'll be gone. Proof is hosted and produced by me, Bridget Lancaster. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. Sarah Joyner is our producer. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Boynton. Editing by Caitlin Kelleher, Sarah Joyner, and Jordan Pearson. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds composed our theme music. Additional music by Kyle Forrester. Post-production support from Hen Margolis. Our production manager is Diane Knox. Jack Bishop is a deep-fried funnel cake and chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. David Nussbaum is our CEO. Thanks again to our sponsors, Bob's Red Mill, Kohler, Chef Steps, and Escoffier. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen. If you want a great recipe for our version of Hoosier Pie, well, go check out our website. That's www.americastestkitchen.com slash proof. Oh, and we've got one more thing for you. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review on Apple Podcasts? Because that really helps other people to find the show. 